we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. And it's not about what I can build before I step into eternity, like an empire of Toys R Us, which goes the way of all. You can't, you can't even find Nineveh in the desert, right? I mean, the greatest kingdom that lived existed 2,800 years ago. You can't even find it. Context perspective. He's not going to change. There's no shadow of turning with the father of lights. And this, to start every day, to have access every day to the Father through our great high priest Jesus to come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need and say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The people threatening you, hallowed be your name. The bank account with nothing in it, hallowed be your name. The doctor saying it's really bad, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. That you can look at any experience and say, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. You can put that over any human experience and that is sufficient to bring you through it and carry you through it. Isn't that awesome? It's just awesome. It's peace. It's an anchor of hope to the soul. That when we're taught how to pray by Jesus, we start with, in the context of whatever we're going through in our timeline, with getting the perspective that God is in heaven. It's about him, his will, his purposes for which he's created us. Because again, we don't work our way to heaven. We receive the grace and we are his workmanship. So the perspective is whatever he's doing with our life in the context of our life, he's making us a work of art. He made Eric Little a work of art, the great British track star for Jesus. He's a rugby star too. He made him a work of art. Just put him, put him on a shelf that 40 years later, they'd make a movie about his life and win the Academy Award for Best Picture, 1981, Chariots of Fire. The books still come out about Eric Little. It's, it's, it's his pers- it's perspective of who's in charge. There's no accidents or randomness. Everything passes through the Father's hands with a divine purpose where our faith can say, there's a bigger picture here, and through these trials and tribulations, I can grow, and I can trust, and I can put more of my heart in heaven. That's what we can do. Because we are told in Philippians that we forget what's behind, we press on to what lies ahead to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As for God, his way is perfect. He's a shield to those who trust in him, and his word is proven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about his will being done in our life, not us trying to get him to sanction something in our life that we think might be his will. The smartest, wisest prayer ever is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And God helps someone who thinks they got it all figured out. We can pray according to God's will based upon what we know about his character in the word of God, for sure. But he wants to show himself personal and involved in our lives in every situation of our lives. 
It's just for me personally to look back on my life with 30 years with the Lord, and even before I gave my life to Christ, I can look back and say there's nothing random there. There's no, there's no dumb luck. It's, it all had purpose and design that God purposed, and so it is for you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. Then we also see from that perspective, we see the practical, right? That's vertical perspective, but the practical is give us this day, you know, give us day by day our daily bread, food, provision, forgive us our sins. That's horizontal with other people. As we forgive others who've indebted us, that's horizontal. And do not lead us in temptation. That's time, space, and matter, horizontal. And deliver us from the evil one, who's kind of a hybrid because he's from eternity. He's outside our dimension, but he works against us in our dimension of time, space, and matter. So if you look at the rest of the Lord's Prayer, get the right perspective in the context of our lives, and then we can give him all of our practical provisions day by day. Let him be over everything, which, you know, it's an everyday faith to abide in the Lord. He's got our bread. He's got our needs. But equal to that is our heart, right? Because we think about provision more often than not. And that's where we begin to grow in the Lord, where we learn to trust God with provision. Jesus said, don't worry about those things. That's what the world worries about. The world worries about, I've got what you need. I'll take care of you. I I got your back. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken and begging for bread in the streets. And, And you know, if we acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways and lean not on our own understanding and acknowledge him in all of our paths, he will lead us and he'll, he'll take care of us. I mean, he cares about us. I care about my children. There's a lot of things I want to do for my children. And I remember a few years back, I was discussing how my children are costing me more money as they become adults. And someone said to me, what else would you want to spend it on? Because we love our kids, right? We want to spend it on our kids. And if not them, for sure, the grandkids, right? <laughs> You know, and but it's like God's you think how much we want to do good for our kids and want the best for our kids. How much more so the Lord? We get to that before this text is done tonight. So vertical is perspective. And then context is our world where ah, I've got to pay bills. Uh, You know, the Orange County treasurer expects a property tax payment in December and and, and, uh, April. You know, it's like. This one, those are late. And the, the apartment complex expects the rent on this day. The car lease expects this. The, the, the car insurance expects that. Um, they don't give food away at Trader Joe's and Mother's, right? I mean, you got to go in there and you, get, you don't have a, a magic card. You know, something has to be behind that. And that's the reality of life. But we learn to trust in the Lord and we seek him and we let him take care of us. Our provision comes from the Lord. I've learned to not worry about my own provision. I've learned to not worry about the church's provision. God is in the needs of practical provisions as often when he speaks to the clearest to us to show his personal touch in our life with little things. And of course, I've got lots of those stories, but one of my favorite ones was the one in Vermont when I, we didn't have really any money. I mean, literally, we just had like 20 bucks in the account or the, and we had the three kids. It was before Luke was born and I was working room service and that day, my pay was on tips, so it's like minimum wage. is below minimum wage. It was two twenty an hour plus tips, and um, you'd be able to keep the tips. It was ninety five, and uh, the the year, and I I got seventeen dollars on that shift, an eight hour shift. I always remember this; it's so clear. I got seventeen dollars. I'm like seventeen dollars. Like what? You know? Okay. Well, that's better than nothing. But you know, when you're kind of going through it, you're just like, really? Okay. So you can relate, maybe. But I go home, and 
to our home address came a check the same day from someone I never met, never knew, never heard of, and never had contact with again. It was a check for $170. Like, what are the chances of that? I'm grumbling at the Sheraton, I make $17. I come home, there's a check from nobody I know ever before, since, or anything, a random check from a stranger to our address that no one even knew, who writes you in Burlington, Vermont, uh, and for $170. I'm like, you know, even for a guy that's a little slow, it's like 17, 170. That's tenfold, right? Like, hey, I, I know that. That's 10 times more. And I remember I, I looked at that check and I said, well, Lord, I know you're at least 10 times greater than the Sheraton Hotel. I said, ooh, yeah. But that's where the Lord's working with us. That's where he's working with us. I'll never forget that day. Because in the end, I was like, man, if God is that personal to pay me $17 in tips and send a check for $170 from a stranger on that very same day, I mean, you just missed the day by one. It's not the same. Like, I'm coming home from work depressed and discouraged with $17, and here's this check. We never got mail at the, at the duplex in Burlington. See, so give us this day our daily bread and our provision. That's why, that's why we pray that. So they're like, Lord, look at this. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we pray that. We always say it's never about the money. It's about the heart. When we were praying about Jeremy Foster coming on staff from being a, for seven years in a row, the science teacher, uh, seventh grade science teacher at Calvary, we were praying for a sign and little to be known, the sign was the equivalent of, a, of a, at least a year's wage, which would have been way beyond any offering we'd ever had. And wouldn't you know, we got an offering that was more than a year's wage. And that was the sign to bring Jeremy on staff. And by the way, I'm very happy he's on staff and I'm very grateful he's on staff. And um, he's going to have to solve this temperature problem on Monday when he gets back from his vacation. <laughs> That's how happy I am that he's on staff, right? But you look back, you just go like, the Lord's got this. It's never about the Lord, right? We know that. Or about the money, it's about the heart, but the Lord's got it. It's never about the money, it's about the Lord and his provision. And those little things show us that he cares. Those are important experiences that we have. And when we're in tune with the Lord, we realize it is the Lord. And we thank him and we praise him for it. And I'm grateful for those stories and those experiences. And uh, when Hector went to go start Vision Church years ago, I told him, he's like, oh, man, I'm pretty nervous because we're, like, sending him out, like, go for it. You know, like, fly, little birdie, like you do with your kids, like, fly. You know, and he's like, I don't know, man, I want to stay here. And I was like, look, man, quit. You've been using my stories. Go get your own. You need your own stories, man. Go fly away, little birdie. Get some stories. These are my stories. Chuck had his stories. I got my stories. You need your stories. Stories of faith where you see God's hand in the provision and those things. Day, day by day. That's, this is all relationship to meet the needs in, a, in the horizontal world of how we live and function. And then forgiving others. Again, it's about the heart, the ability, supernatural ability to forgive others. When we have a hard time forgiving others, we just need to cry out to the Lord to help us and to recognize it that we need help and that it is beyond us and to seek the Lord for help and being able to forgive people to trust God for provision in the day-to-day experience and to find grace and strength by the Holy Spirit to forgive others in the day-to-day experience. That's what the Lord wants us to do. And to see our own need forgiveness. So often we're focused on forgiving other people. We often miss the fact that maybe there's people trying to forgive us for things we've done wrong. 
And so this, this horizontal element of the context of the prayer is that, yeah, we, you know, we've offended people. And maybe we need to ask forgiveness as much as we're thinking people should be asking us for forgiveness. Forgive us our sins and then help us forgive others of theirs and to deliver us from evil. And the reality that we have a spiritual battle as we go out into the real world. We wish it wasn't so, but it is true. And it, just, it just is what it is. And so we pray for protection. We pray for strength. And again, it's in the day-to-day. But it all starts with the perspective of the vertical that God's in heaven. He's our Father. It's about his kingdom being done in our hearts and through our lives in the context of our timeline and perspective of him and that he's, he's got a plan. And then the practical stuff. We get the perspective. And then the practical stuff, yep, got to forgive those people. They need to forgive me. Hopefully they will. I need to pay my bills. I need to deal with that and this and that. And yeah, the devil's against me. But you know what, God? You're bigger than that. We're going to trust in you. That's the Lord's prayer, that he's, gonna, he's got our back. I, you know, I don't pray much. I don't talk much or teach much about the devil because I don't think it's necessary. I just don't. I believe if you have a perspective of our Heavenly Father in heaven, in charge and on the throne, then the problems with the devil are his problems. And I only address the devil when it's the reality of the text and the context of what I'm teaching. Otherwise, it's not like it's my go-to pitch. I prefer to never talk about the Bible. Every time I think about the, a book where the, you know, there's plenty of books where the devil comes up, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know, I just, it's like, I just don't like, to, I like to focus on the Lord. I like to focus on his authority, his power, and his promises. But the reality is, Jesus in this prayer said, and deliver some temptation. And God's not the tempter, but the devil is. So it is appropriate to pray for protection from the devil. It is appropriate to, in a sense, put on the armor of God daily. It is appropriate to ask God to help us take our thoughts captive and obedient to him. It is appropriate to um, cry out for help from the Lord. So it's there. So the vertical perspective and the context of day-to-day food, forgiving people, matters of the heart, and the spiritual battles we put on the whole armor of God, the days are evil, and we do the best we can daily to trust in the Lord with what he has for us. Now, there's a little more in this passage tonight connected to the Lord's Prayer, so we read on in verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. And I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because of his, is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if you ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in the context of the Lord's Prayer, this bonus passage comes up in verse 5, and he said to them. So it's additional thoughts pertaining to prayer. And the key thought really is persistency, is to be persistent. Verse 8 says, yet because of his persistence. 
And so Jesus draws an analogy of someone's bugging you, you might just deal with it so they'll quit bugging you. They always say, like, the squeaky wheel gets greased, right? So a lot of people function that way. If I'm just annoying and annoying and annoying, they'll just give me what I want and I'll go away. People make a living doing stuff like that. They actually do. And, um, but if we know that agitation in the human experience, that's a negative, how much more would the fathers be that's a positive? In other words, it's the heart to bless us with good things. He's saying, if you, being evil by nature, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, can do good things, how much more will God, who has no shadow of turning, do good things for those who seek him? He, he has good things. He, you know, he has, you know what makes parents happy? You parents know this. When your kids come and ask you for advice and counsel. Like that, that kind of, you know, like, because you, when you get older, you realize, like, you know what, it's better I don't say anything, and you just kind of put it out there, like, hey, if they want to seek counsel, I'll give it, but I'm not going to meddle in their marriage, I'm not going to meddle in their parenting, I just, you learn, that doesn't work at all. So, but it, it makes, you know, it makes you happy when the kids think father really does know best, or mother knows best, right? It's a good feeling, like, hey, dad, I was thinking, I was wondering about this, what's your take? You're like, whoa, right? And, and it's a good thing. And we're going to want to do good things. If my children come to me and ask, what's my take on something, or, and it's a need, and they're seeking counsel, or they have a practical need, and I can do something to help them, of course I want to help them. Now, we don't always help them because maybe there's a lesson for them, right? It's something that they need to work through. They need to get $17 for one day's wage and have a check in the mail for $170. You know, that's why we pray and seek the Lord, because the mind of the Lord may be should do this, or maybe, you know what, as much as I want to call a timeout in the game of life and, and, and huddle up to adult kids and say, hey, here's how we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you don't always get to do that. You don't get to do that. But you want to. It's so hard to watch injustices happen to your children if that happens. That is one of the hardest things. I can only imagine it's even worse with grandkids. But it is so hard as a parent to let injustices and watch injustices happen to your kids when they've been wrongly accused or wrongly overlooked. And it's like, and if it's legitimate. Now, see, some people think everything's against their kids and they complain about everything going against their kids when, in fact, maybe it is them or their kids. But that's not what we're talking about here. But, you know, we're all going to leave the world, and the best thing we can do is prepare our kids to function healthily with faith in the world. We can't pamper them from the world. The world's real. Cancer's real. Drunk drivers are real. Corrupt judges are real. Corrupt ministers are real. Corrupt lawyers are real. Okay? Bad doctors are real. Good doctors are real. Good ministers are real. Good, good uh, lawyers are real. Okay? I mean, there's good and bad in every walk of life. And our kids can, you know, they experience things. And we might want to give them this. And we might want to help them out with that. But we can't always do that. We have to let them grow in their faith and in that experience. And we have to trust that God's working in that situation in those circumstances. One of the most baffling things to me was when my son Luke, a straight-A student, 4.0 GPA, couldn't get into Long Beach State or San Diego State. Like, how does that happen? I mean, he's coming from a community college with a 4.0. I thought you were required by law to let that kid into San Diego State to be an Aztec or a 49er. Like, how does that not happen? So we have to get a private education and send him to Grand Canyon University, where he's still a straight-A student, but there he met his wife. God's plans and ways are always bigger, and we've got to learn to trust in him. We want to do good for our kids, and God has good intended for all of us. 
as David said, you see that the end, of the, well, Job said he learned that the end that the Lord intended for him was good. And then that's referred to by James in the book of James as an example that the Lord intended was for good. Because before Job had heard about the Lord, but after his trials, he knew the Lord. But we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. And we know that God has a good plan. And David said in the psalm, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is a guy that fiend madness like out of his mind. This is a guy that was like a straitjacket on and acted so crazy. And he was such a good actor. Everyone believed him. He'd make our modern actors look like nothing. He'd make Johnny Depp look normal. Okay? David acted so crazy, the man after God's own heart, that everybody believed he was crazy. But yet he could say throughout his life, taste and see that the Lord is good. If I go to the far ends of the earth, Lord, you see me, you know me. So you see, God is good. And he intends good for us, and he's going to do good things. And the best thing he can do for us is pour out more of his spirit and his presence in and through our lives. That's the real goodness of the Lord, because it's good for us to have more of the Lord working in our life, to have more of the spirit of God in our life overflowing from our lives. So seek, knock, and ask in this context is not about possessions. It's not about seek, knock, and ask for the business plan to save Toys R Us or the business plan that's going to work for the IOC in the future of Olympics. No, it's seek, knock, and ask for what? What's the objective of the church? The believer, it's to be spirit-filled. And being spirit-filled doesn't always come when we're materially filled. It can come when we're materially deprived. And there's less distractions and more clarity for the things of the Lord. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit. I just pray for all of it. If the Lord's given out portions, I want all of them. When it comes to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to come short in believing more of the Holy Spirit in my life. And of course, we talk about this. The more the Holy Spirit in your life, it's better for everybody. Perspective, more of the Spirit of God in your life, context, the planet's a whole lot better. Because you walk according to the Spirit, Romans 8, so you don't set your mind on the things of the flesh, but the things of the Spirit. And wherever you go, you're just like this Spirit-filled person. Everybody needs Spirit-filled people. or testimonies of the Spirit of the living God. We're spirit-filled people, and we bless where we go, and we become examples of that. So of all the things that we should be seeking and knocking after and pursuing, knocking for, seeking after, and asking for, and pursuing, the context here is the Holy Spirit. God's like, I got your bills. I'll work with you to forgive those people, and then you can be forgiven. I'll take care of the devil when he's giving you a hard time. What you want to do is trust in my character that if evil people do good things, how much more good do I have for you when you seek, knock, and ask with persistence and diligence after me that I'll pour out my spirit on you, which is what you really need. The answer to our problems isn't more things. The answer to our problems is being more spirit-filled. That's what we're seeking and knocking uh, and going after. That's the context. So again, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then all this practical stuff. And yet it comes back to what are you really seeking to be spirit-filled, to have more of the Holy Spirit in our life? You want to be a better husband? More of the Holy Spirit. Want to be a better wife? More of the Holy Spirit. Better grandfather? More of the Holy Spirit. Better, better grandkid? More of the Holy Spirit. Better single mom? More of the Holy Spirit. Better college student? More of the Holy Spirit. Better boss? More of the Holy Spirit. 
Better employee, more of the Holy Spirit. Better widow, more of the Holy Spirit. Better assisted living attendant, more of the Holy Spirit. We could never be too spirit-filled. And, of course, the Bible tells us he gives the Spirit without limit. So as much as we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God will fill us with the Holy Spirit. That's life. Because the flesh wars against the Spirit. And to sow to the flesh reads corruption, but to sow to the Spirit is life. So when we are filled with the Spirit, the seeds that we're sowing are life for those around us, and it's life back to us. But we're told to be persistent. I think God would do a lot more with his spirit if we sought him more to pour out his spirit. So he said, persistence is the key to seek, knock, and ask. And the promise that as we seek, knock, and ask, he will be availed to us. So I want to encourage us tonight as we go our own ways into um, our Sunday and the second work week of July and the heart of summer, that we would keep that perspective of who really is in charge of our life and we would understand clearly what he really wants to do in our life with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I think it's pretty clear. I hope it makes sense to you. It certainly does for me. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.